And welcome into the DuckTerritory.com podcast. Uh, if you're listening to us on Facebook Live, you have the opportunity to listen to this Duck Territory podcast while we're recording it. it gives you an opportunity to get questions in. So go ahead, drop your, your questions into Facebook Live. If you're not listening on Facebook Live and you want to know how, all you got to do is just go to uh, Facebook.com slash Oregon 247. Like our Facebook page. You'll get notifications of when we go live, and typically, uh, yeah. this, typically this happens when we, we do podcasts Monday mornings, 10.30ish, uh, Pacific time, and then we also do another one typically, uh, Fridays around noon, 12.30ish. Uh, that'll be a little bit different this week because of travel. Um, but anyways, if you got questions and you're listening on Facebook Live, go ahead, drop those in, uh, into the comments section. We'll get to those. Uh, as we get down to this breaking down of Oregon's 49-13 victory at Wyoming. And there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. Injuries, uh, rushing performance, Oregon's defense, yeah. Justin Herbert's performance, um, and then also on the fact that after starting the season 3-0, and Oregon is now ranked 24th in both the AP and the coaches' pool. So I guess... The first thing I would want to talk about, and I think that that is justifiably what you should talk about first, is Oregon's performance on defense because they faced a guy in Josh Allen who many people feel like is the first quarterback taken in the 2018 NFL draft, and Oregon didn't just dominate him. They made him look like he didn't deserve to even be in the NFL. He threw for, I think, 66 yards. Wyoming's offense had 183 yards of total offense. Yeah. Just a total butt-kicking by Oregon's defense in that game. Yeah, I've been, I've been trying to figure out the right description for Allen's performance because it was... 9 of 24. 9 of 24 for 64 yards, interception also fumbled. Uh, QB rating of 11.5. Now, it's worth mentioning, and he's done very... This is not, like, unusual for him when he plays FBS competition. This is, however, I think... Probably his worst. his worst outing. I think he did have like four or five interceptions against Nebraska last last year in their game. But um, just in terms of not being able to complete really any passes of any significance all game. I mean, this is a game where if Oregon doesn't gift Wyoming um, great field position twice because of fumbles, could conceivably have been a shutout. Yeah. Wyoming basically had one sustained scoring drive the whole game. It resulted in a field goal. You wonder if they're maybe playing a little more aggressively if they're trying to play for that shootout or for that shutout. I'm not sure if that plays into it or not. But this this is a game where Wyoming really didn't drive for a touchdown. You know, it was actually third and nine um, when Allen was able to scramble free and run up the middle for the first Wyoming and only Wyoming touchdown um, in the first quarter. So this is a game if Oregon doesn't shoot themselves in the foot twice that they that Oregon defense played about as well. I think as you can could have asked them. And it's worth mentioning that. You know, they, they like I said, gifted them field position twice, and one of the times they Oregon forced held them, held them forced to a field goal. So, yeah, I, Oregon defense played tremendously. Um, probably about as dominant of a defensive performance against an FBS team that I can remember in a number of years. I mean, we're talking, we're opening this podcast, and we understand it's Wyoming, but the biggest takeaway is defense. Mm-hmm. Oregon's defense. The one that was perhaps one of the worst defenses in the country last season, one of the worst in program history yeah. last season. A lot of those guys are now back for this year, and 
They straight up dominated. Yeah. Yeah, this is not fundamentally that much different than last year. I know they're playing a little bit different scheme, but if you look at just at the personnel perspective, this is basically last year's defense with a couple of true freshmen out there. And that, I mean, in the turnaround, that I mean, just from where they ranked last year, I just got, I was just looking at my phone here a second ago, Oregon ranks number one nationally in passes defended. And that means pass breakups, interceptions. Um, last year, they were very, very far down that list. Last year, I think they were 120th on that list. So just in terms of how they're playing defensively, it's it's night and day. One of the bigger takeaways I had from this was that Oregon's defense was terrific at quickly getting off the field. I think they had five three and outs Mm -hmm. in that game. Uh, Wyoming ran 57 plays. And this wasn't because... You know, Wyoming and Oregon were both just time-consuming drives, eating up clock. You know, Wyoming tried at first to, you know, move the ball quickly. Tried to, to you know, throw on first and second down, and then because they couldn't get any kind of yardage, had to throw on third down. You know, this was a game where Oregon's defense, you look at the stats, and Kelowna Apalu, uh, he read – he led the Ducks in turnovers or in, in tackles with seven, mm-hmm. and this was a case where the next you know, the next couple of guys that were second on the team in tackles each had four, yeah. and you just don't see that very often. You know, Oregon's defense wasn't on the field all that much, and like you said, this was about as impressive as a defensive performance as you could get. The only thing I have, I. I Try to tell myself, and I hope Duck fans understand this. I don't think Wyoming skill wise outside of Josh Allen is no. pretty good. Um, this isn't going to be the norm. Well, I know, and that's one of the things that I tweeted it during the game and after the game is I don't know how good Josh Allen is because I don't know if his skill position guys are good enough to really create separation. And, and part of that is credit that the Oregon secondary deserves for just. I mean, he didn't have a throw to the whole game. No, he, he had hardly any time, and then when he was open to throw, no one was open. No one was open. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, yeah, defensively, it was tremendous here. Um, getting a question here, and I expected we might get this question today, uh, from Travis Horst. What is the injury status of Charles Nelson? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's going to be the question going into Willa Taggart's Monday media availability. That's going to be the question all of this week uh, for Oregon. Sounds like it's not as bad as it looked because he got carted off the field, but at the same time, Getting carted off the field isn't yeah. – you don't just play the next week uh, <laughs> after getting carted off the field. So, you know, I, I think from what we've been able to hear early on, Monday morning, uh, Sunday evening, Nelson's probably going to miss time. But it's not going to be a season-ending injury uh, or one that could, you know, linger the entire season that you would – normally see with a guy getting carted off the field. So yeah. I think Oregon dodges a little bit of a bullet, but they're going to have to be prepared without Nelson uh, for some for some time at least. Yeah, and, I, I, you know, we can probably talk about this more at a later date, but, I mean, this totally changes the the passing game complexion entirely. Without, I think you posted that stat this morning about, on your on your daily dose, about just how the offense changed when Nelson left. I mean, yeah. But we can go ahead and fill them there. No, you know, I, I think Nelson is Oregon's, is Justin Herbert's safety valve. Mm-hmm. For passing plays, you know he's the first guy he looks to uh, in his reads, and then he's probably the last guy he looks to uh, in his reads. If nothing's open, find Nelson and throw him the ball. Uh, or you know Herbert opened the game up, hitting seven of 
seven of seven pass completions. A couple of them uh, went to Charles Nelson in, in that game. Uh, I believe Nelson finished with like two for twenty-seven. Yeah, two for twenty-seven. So you know, early on in the game, he was already pretty effective uh, moving the football. Uh, and then once Nelson went down uh, early in that in that first quarter or midway through that first quarter, Herbert's offensive passing statistics significantly dropped yeah. for a little bit. He completed one of his next seven passes. Uh, Oregon's offense kind of seemed to hit that little lull that they had in that game, and that's kind of when Wyoming made it a little bit of a game because of some turnovers by Oregon's offense uh, and a, fum- a fumble by Nelson himself on a punt. Um, and next thing you know, it was 14-10, to 10, and you know, Oregon's had, had a little bit of an issue, but then they, they went back to their run game, got, the thing, got things going again, and uh, Herbert eventually bounced back and finished the, the game 18 of 29 for 251 yards and a touchdown, but and one interception. Um, but I, that's a big question. Who fills in? You know, the obvious one is what we found out in that game is Taj Griffin's healthy and, and can play the, the slot position. I think that was extremely encouraging to see him come out there. First touch this season was a 20-yard touchdown pass. When Oregon's offense kind of was slumping, that was a big response drive for them right before the half. Um, we got a couple more questions here. Um, April Torres says, everyone says we have a good chance at a great bowl game this year. When are we looking at a natty again next year in two years? I think that's a little early to start looking at it that way. Yeah. Um, I want to see Oregon get into the conference schedule and maybe we can make some sort of declaration after the season of when that seems realistic. I think from, you have to be encouraged first off in the fact that a lot of the guys on this team are freshmen and sophomore that are playing big minutes. So there, there will be a, a couple years from now that should Theoretically, still be really talented, but it, to, to say gauge when they're going to be playing for a national championship right now seems a little bit premature. Yeah, I think you know you're a ways off, um, but I thought this team was a way off, a little bit ways off from competing for the Pac-12 North. And after a quarter of the season, I think they've got a you know, I don't think they're favored. You know, I don't think they've got a you know a sixty forty chance of winning. You know, but I, I think, you know, they've got a puncher's chance to compete for the Pac-12 North. Stanford isn't, uh, hasn't come out out of the gates all that impressive at one and two. Uh, Washington State has looked good at times and has flat out looked bad at other times. Yeah. Uh, Washington, we don't know because they just haven't played anybody yet. Yeah. We'll find that out this weekend. Um, but yeah, I, I, Oregon's offense is, you know, this, this team is moving in the right direction, but in terms of national championship talk, We've got a lot more questions we need to see answered uh, before we can start having that kind of a conversation. All right, let's take one more question real quick um, from Ron Wood. I'm thinking this defense may do well against Pac-12 teams, but what is happening with off, with the offense in the second half? Yeah, that's a – I mean <laughs> – Another question I think we expect to get. Yes, I think the yeah, Oregon secondary is playing pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I've been pretty impressed with the Oregon's defensive line mm-hmm. as well in the, in, the, in the pass rush that they've got. Um, I'm Troy Dye is Troy Dye. Yeah. He's going to be an All American at some point in his career. Uh, Jonah Moy and Justin Hollins have both been pretty good. I think Justin Hollins has a sack in each each game so far this season. Um, but the depth at that linebacker position is is a big question mark, and it's it's going to be a hindrance I think all all year. Um, but as for the the play calling, I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not. It hasn't been the best. There's been, there's also been lacks of execution. You know, in that first drive against Wyoming, when they went for it on third and two, and they got one yard, and then it was fourth and one, and they didn't get it. 
that to me is just poor performance. Mm-hmm. That's lacks of ex- you know, execution. What what play call would you would you rather Oregon ran in, in that situation? A, a bootleg out, maybe a zone read, no, just because you want your best runner going downhill full speed. I, I don't know. I, I I think part of it is execution, um, and part of it is look, they're up. 30 points, 35 points and, you know, or 28 points in, in, in these games at times. And I, Taggart comes from the cloth of Jim Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh's strategy in these games, uh, and we're starting to see it now with Taggart is shorten the game mm-hmm. and get out of there with a victory. Who cares if it's by 14 or four, you know, seven points or by 28 points? Get the victory, shorten the game, less you know, prevent injuries. Not only that, I think one thing, and I'm again, I'm not excusing the play calling because to me it's been a little bit head scratching as well. Um, Without a doubt. But but the only way Wyoming was scoring points in that first half was turnovers. I think Oregon felt if you hand the ball off to Royce Freeman, you're, you should get a first. You down. should get first downs. You shouldn't be fumbling. You shouldn't be turning the ball over. If you're throwing the ball in the air now without Charles Nelson. Maybe things go awry, and what you don't want to have happen is you're up comfortably, you turn it over a couple more times, Wyoming regains momentum, and then all of a sudden you're in the fourth quarter, and it's you know a repeat of the past week. Now, I'd like to see them open it up in the second half and play more aggressively, absolutely. Um, they've frankly been kind of lucky, I feel like, back-to-back weeks, not necessarily to win, but that, that this didn't bite them in the butt a little bit harder, because... Nebraska could very easily have tied that game and forced overtime. Wyoming, I never really was concerned just because their offense was still putrid. But, yeah, it's certainly something that is of concern, and uh, I'm sure we'll hear from Coach Taggart today kind of on that general topic I mean, we still haven't seen a game yet where Oregon goes into the third quarter and it being a relatively close game. Sure, Nebraska eventually came back and made it a close game, um, but... We haven't seen Oregon yet in their game plan in the third quarter when they're losing by seven or it's tied or they're up by three. You know, they've always had to come out of halftime. And look, this is a young team. You've got like, I think 20 guys that are either true freshmen, redshirt freshmen or sophomores that are key contributors on either side of the football, whether they start or whether, whether they're a guy that's second string and They've not been in this situation before. Because remember, last year they were 4-8. and eight. Mm-hmm. A lot of these games at halftime, they were out. And they're having to now be on the other side of that, and they're learning how to, hey, look, you got to come out in the third quarter with just as much intensity, just as much execution as you did in the first half. Yeah. And that's a learning process. Well, I think we'll see more than likely this week. I know Arizona State hasn't been particularly impressive, but I, I do foresee them not being up 28 points, 32 points at the half. Um, they might score 42 points against Arizona State's defense right. in the first half like they have the last three games, but I don't think it's going to be a game where they're allowed the opportunity to just come out and kind of run vanilla offense for, for two quarters. What did you make of Royce Freeman's performance? He's starting to generate Heisman buzz. Yes, yeah. Justified, or is it just quality of opponent opportunities he's being given to put up points? Well, I think... I think the Heisman buzz is justified because this, in some ways, has become like a career achievement award. Uh, you see it every year. There's always there's typically like an upperclassman that that just you know get, gets more recognition just because they've been around. They've been a name for a while. Royce Freeman is the guy who's obviously been you know a big name since his true freshman year. Um, but 
he's on pace right now to run for like 2,000 yards, and he's on pace right now to run for like 40 rushing yeah. touchdowns. Now that number is never going to hold unless I mean, who, maybe, maybe it will. Maybe or, it will. But uh, yeah, I, I think he deserves the buzz. Now he hasn't seen, in my opinion, a very good defense yet. Uh, I mean, Southern Utah, not a very good defense. Nebraska's front is adequate, not great. Wyoming's front, not very good. I don't think you're going to see a good defense in Arizona State. You're probably not going to see a very good Arizona Cal might be the best. And surprisingly, Cal, by the way, is 3-0. and And that's that, that could be – that's a home game uh, in a couple weeks here on the 30th. Um, Give you a perspective uh, for this week's game against Arizona State. Yeah. Sun Devils are 122nd in yards uh, per game allowed at 503. And it's not good. I want to look at their yards per play because I like that. I agree. I, I, I like that set way more than. Um, but I mean, that, that gives you while he looks it up. That gives you an indication that Arizona State is not going to be a very it, good test. And it's not much better for them for yards per play because they're 117th, so just well, five that, spots. That's better. a little better. Uh, <laughs> they give up six and six point six five yards per play uh, on, on defense, um, and I don't think they. Realize how bad they are either because DJ Calhoun, a yes. senior linebacker, <laughs> yes, uh, on Saturday after losing to Texas Tech, uh, giving up 500 or 636 yards and uh, over 50 points, said that he didn't think the Texas Tech offense was all that impressive and it was more <laughs> self-inflicting wounds. Um, interesting comments. Yes. Uh, so I don't think we're going to know much about Arizona State's, you know, yeah, Royce, Royce isn't going to face a good defense, maybe until Cal, and I'm not sure Cal's that good yet. And they play Washington State, and I'm not sure Washington State's not that good up front. So, But the thing with Arizona State and their defense, though, is that they're almost kind of like Wyoming in that they bring all these exotic blitzes. They they gamble a ton. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that leads to opponents who they play – Having big plays, but it's more than often going to be through the air. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if Royce Freeman just barely goes over 100 yards, just because you know, they're going to constantly blitz and maybe, or you know, just bad luck. You know, they call run plays on some of these blitzes and he just gets two or three yards. But at the same time, it yeah. wouldn't surprise me if he goes over 250 yards and has three or four runs that are over 40 yards apiece, just because of. You make one cut and you beat one guy, you're gone. I think that's also worth noting, too, is that he has, I believe, 460-something yards rushing this year, and he hasn't really broken a big one yet. I think he's like a 28-yard run is his long or something like that. I mean, he's had a couple where he's gotten outside and and run a little bit. He had a big catch for 50 yards um, on Saturday against Wyoming when they needed it um, on a drive. But, yeah, I I, I think... I think think he is definitely deserving of Heisman consideration. I don't know if he'll... Be good enough to win it. I'm not sure if he's good enough to get even to New York, but he certainly feels like a guy who, if he's if he's in the conversation to be running for a close to 2,000 yards, you know, even 20 touchdowns, uh, will be deserving of that consideration. Yeah, Royce has 460 rushing yards, 109 receiving yards, 50 of which came on that screen pass, which I don't think they do enough. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, he's proven this year. He's had some some runs off screen plays that he can get a lot of yards. He's tough to bring down, and when you're in a one-on-one situation or even a two-on-one situation, when it's Freeman against a cornerback and a safety's maybe three or four yards away, he's going to break one of those tackles, and then it's just a one-on-one deal. And Freeman is fourth in the country in uh, all-purpose yards per game. 
He's averaging 189.7 yards. And typically, in my opinion, you see these guys who are in the top five, top ten of all purpose in the country. That's because they're involved either in punt returns and or kick returns. Mm-hmm. And you look at you know, Rashad Penny, the, the guy who leads the country San in Diego all-purpose State. yards, San Diego State. He returns kickoffs. Uh, Saquon Barkley, he returns kickoffs. Uh, and then you've got Lexington Thomas at UNLV, another running back, Royce Freeman. And then you have uh, Aaron Duckworth at Idaho. He returns kickoffs. Darius Phillips returns punts and kickoffs, and that's the only reason why he's there. Freeman's quickly turning into, I think, as long as Oregon wins games and they can, you know, if, if they get the ball to bounce their, their way, Freeman continues this trend a little bit, maybe sees a slight dip. And they can get to 10 wins on the year and, and be ranked in the top 15 mm-hmm. at the end of the season. He might, he, he's not going to win the, he's not going to win the Heisman. Um, unless Oregon wins the Pac-12, uh, and is, is 12 and 0 or 13 and 0 going into December. Um, but he might be able to get his way to New York if, if Oregon yeah. can, can continue this type of success. Absolutely. Do we have any questions on, on Facebook? Uh, no, not right now. Guys, go ahead and drop them if you do. we got comments here. Uh, Michael Spence says, it, in refer, reference to the second half, uh, it's not play calling. It's a lack of urgency. I think we, we, kind I would of, agree with we, that. we agree with that sentiment as well. Um, one thing I do want to talk about is special teams um, because I don't think a lot of time has been spent discussing that. And from my eyes, that's far and away the weakest point of this team. And, you know, and two through three games, two muff punts, each of which have resulted in touchdowns. Oregon's allowed what, like five touchdowns this year? Yeah, and I, I think two of them have been off of muff, muff. kicks or punts. Yeah, you know? you've had Tony Brooks James kick off, which led to a. Um, I guess it's seven touchdowns, I think, but still. You had Tony Brooks James kick off fumble, which led to uh, Southern Utah scoring a touchdown. Uh, you had Charles Nelson's muff punt against Wyoming, which also led. To a touchdown by Josh Allen, mm-hmm. um, and then while it's not special teams, but you also had some, or it's special teams, but not turnovers. You've also had some poor punting. Yeah, but that's the thing I wanted to get to was was also just I think we we were encouraged because there was a, a pretty tight punting battle, and from what we were watching, it looked like both Blake Maimon and Adam Stack were were punting pretty well in practice when we watched. And it's the difference between playing in a game and, and punting in practice, but. Boy, it just doesn't seem like Stack quite cutting it out early. I know it's still, he's had eight punts, I think, with an average of about 35 yards. Not great. His numbers are slightly skewed because on Saturday he did have a punt that was like partially deflected and only went 20 something yards. But yeah, he just had, this punting game hasn't been good. That was one of my, my keys coming into the, to the game was winning field position. And while they did a pretty good job of that early, I think the first two drives they got right around midfield because the defense held Wyoming in their, deep in their own territory. Just not really seeing um, very consistent special teams play in terms of punting the football, and we thankfully Oregon's been hasn't been bit by it. Yeah, right. And, and this is where maybe against Arizona State, Arizona State's defense isn't very good. If Arizona State holds Oregon a couple times, Stack continues to kind of you know only punt at thirty five yards. I won't say shanking it, but you know doesn't particularly particularly well. It might come back and, and bite them if they give Arizona State you know the ball midfield multiple times. Shifting. Any final thoughts before I shift gears from Wyoming? No. Uh, overall, 3-0. Yeah. Kind of about where you expected. Maybe you thought they would drop one of Nebraska and Wyoming going into the season, but 
after that Nebraska game, um, you felt like this Wyoming game was a must win and was a got was you know was a game where you'd be utterly surprised if if they had lost uh, that performance. And, well, I mean, honestly, after the first like three drives of the game, it felt like if Oregon loses this game, something is going to have to go terribly, terribly wrong because Wyoming just wasn't on the same level talent wise, really even on the Not same planet. Close. Yeah. Um, shifting gears now towards Arizona State, um, taking on a football team who's one and two going into Pac-12 play. Uh, their lone win is against New Mexico State, a 37-31 win. Not the most appealing or, you know, it doesn't look good no. on the schedule. And then you lose San Diego State at home, 30-20. to Now that one looks... Not as bad as it originally looked because San Diego State went and beat Stanford. Stanford I think they're now ranked as well. And yeah. So that's – but still, you're a Pac-12 team. You're playing at home. You should win this game against a Midwestern Conference uh, – Mountain West Conference team. Right. Uh, and then Texas Tech on the road, uh, first road game test. They lose 55 to 40 uh, – 52 to 45. Uh, Which is actually closer than I expected it to be. To be and it was – and I think it was a game that was also a lot closer than it looked – yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't as close as it looked on paper. Oh, okay. I think Texas Tech was pretty much in command of that game uh, for for the most part. Um, and you look at this team, and they're averaging thirty four points a game, which is decent. But in today's Pac twelve landscape, you're seeing teams constantly put up fifty. 45, 40 points. Uh, they're 102nd in the country in points per game. They give up 37, which is 113th in the country. Uh, and in, ironically, in, in, in a strange deal, um, they have some really good running backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Demario Richard is hurt right now, but Callum uh, Ballage is a guy I thought would be an NFL running back. Uh, and he is huge. He's six foot three. He's like 230 pounds. He's like Royce Freeman, but four inches taller. Yeah. Um, physical freak. He, their run game really hasn't been able uh, to, to generate anything. They're averaging just two and a half yards per carry. Uh, whether that be offensive issues up front, depth concerns, or inexperience, you know, just a whole lot of just issues with this rushing attack. Uh, but then Manny Wilkins. Their junior quarterback, um, a guy who Oregon looked at a little bit coming out of high school and a guy that was a four-star recruit coming out by 24-7 sports. Same issues that they had last year. He, he got knocked out for the year because of sacks. Uh, I think he's been sacked over ten times this season through three games. Uh, he's yet to throw an interception, which is pretty I know, impressive. I know, looking at his stats here, they're actually pretty good. Yeah, he completes... 68% of his passes, seven touchdowns on the year, uh, just under, just over 900 yards passing. Um, and Arizona State's got some, some dudes at, at the receiving court. Yeah, they do. Uh, most, most importantly, a five star, former five star, uh, Neil Henry, a sophomore out of the Phoenix area, has got 24 catches and 266 yards and two touchdowns. High school teammate of Johnny Johnson. Yes, high school teammate of Johnny Johnson. This is gonna be, uh, a solid test, uh, for, for this Oregon football team offensively. Um, or defensively, I should say. Well, I think I think it's what it's going to be is probably so to this point now. Every week they've hyped up a quarterback. Tanner Lee had a bunch of offseason you know, hype about he was a dark horse Heisman candidate. He wasn't very good. Josh Allen, same thing. 
I'm not sure Manny Wilkins is on this level, but I think for the Oregon secondary, this could be their biggest test so far because Nikhil Henry, he's a, he's a dude. Kai Williams is really good. And John Humphrey was an Oklahoma transfer who um, was like a high four-star you know, type of guy. So Ryan it, Newsom was also a guy yeah, that... Yeah, Oregon recruited, yep. and, and he's a real quick, speedy kind of 5'6 slot guy. So Arizona has some really good receiving talent. You know, and this might be a, a game here where they might take some lumps out there because I'm not sure who's going to be covering Nick Keel Harry. I mean, he's a really, really big, physical, good receiver. Maybe they'll put Thomas Graham on him and see how he fights against, you know, kind of the, one of the conference's kind of biggest dogs, if you will. It'll be good. It'll be interesting to see. Last time Oregon was down in Tempe was that, uh, was it triple overtime? Yeah. Bizarre uh, game. Bizarre game. Oregon was winning, Oregon was losing, uh, and then eventually ends with uh, Vernon Adams making one of the just craziest <laughs> throws uh, to get the game into overtime. Dwayne Stanford. To Dwayne Stanford catching the pass. I mean, it was like a guy was draped on Vernon Adams and kind of just chucked it up on fourth down, uh, and they scored. And then uh, later on in overtime, Arion Springs makes the famous interception. I think that's the only interception – uh, Arion Springs, career. It is, yeah. Springs has in his career, um, and they they walk away with a big victory. Um, everything just kind of gets seems to get funky down in Phoenix uh, when the Ducks play in Tempe uh, against Arizona State. You know, you can think back, you know, to the 2000 season when the triple overtime game, Joey Harrington's group. Uh, you, you can think back um, to that Marcus Mariota's freshman year. Yeah, um, that was a weird game. It was a blowout victory for Oregon, but it was just a weird. Way they they went about it. Um, Arizona State always is just exciting and entertaining. I think. Well, plus it's like seven p.m. football. You yeah. know, it's it's late. It's a late football start, and weird things happen. Pack twelve after dark. I mean, so I well, I think Oregon is vastly superior in talent. I think the line opened up, and Oregon is like a fourteen point, fifteen point, sixteen point 16. favorite, and it opened at sixteen, which which is high to me. Which is high to me. Uh, I, I would agree as well. And it's now down to like fourteen and a half. So some some money's kind of come into you know Arizona State's way. Uh, but the more I look at Arizona State though, and the more I think about that line, it, if Oregon is as good as we think they are, they should be able to cover that and some. Just because this team is reeling, Todd Graham is his seat gets warmer by the week. Uh, they aren't healthy, Arizona State, and their defense is terrible. Yeah. And Oregon should feast on those type of teams who's have who has stop, issues stopping the run. Yeah, I, I you know we're not making predictions now, but I I do see a, a scenario certainly where they where they cover that spread. We got a couple questions here. Um, Brad Groves asks about our thoughts on Oregon's receiving core's performance. Um, I thought adequate. I mean, it's hard losing your your top guy, and this is a group by the way. When you take Charles Nelson out, basically no experience, no experience at all. Um, and so losing your veteran leader midway through the f- end of the first quarter, I think. You got Schooler and Lovett, who are sophomores, sophomores, and, and are guys that are in your top five rotation, and they played defense last year. You, you've got Dylan Mitchell, who had a knee injury last year and played very sparingly um, as a true freshman. Alex Ofadale is also in that top five group, yeah. uh, and he hardly played last season as well. And then you've got Johnny Johnson, a true freshman. Um, and Darian McNeil, who probably plays quite a bit now in slot, who's a true freshman. And Taj Griffin, who might play that slot, who's a converted running back. I and mean, there's basically – these guys haven't, as a group, basically, any of them played a Pac-12 road game, and now they're going to be doing that. And 
going back to Wyoming, I thought they played okay. I mean, Dylan Mitchell showed pretty well in the second half. I think he had four catches after Charles Nelson went. Yeah, out. I was going to say he's probably um, my idea of if someone becomes a safety valve for Herbert and because Nelson can't play. In my opinion, it's going to be Nelson or it's going to be Breland. I was going to come, come back to that. Jacob Breland, it's been interesting. He had two catches for, I think, 45 yards in that first drive, and since then he has, like, three catches for 20 or something like that. He just hasn't been as involved in the offense as I think anyone expected. Um, I think through fall camp and spring, it looked like he, he was, he was going to be primary the primary target. I, I, I wrote that, you know, as a bold prediction, he might lead the team in receiving, you know, in rece- receptions or receiving yards or touchdowns. And to that point, I've kind of eaten some crow there because he just hasn't been as involved offensively, I think, as anyone expected. And I think that's a guy that Oregon will need to step up if Nelson miss, misses extensive time. And I think you also need to see Taj Griffin take a kind of a more extended role as well. Yeah, I think Taj is going to be the wild card because if he can get quickly back into shape, and not that saying he's not in game shape, but right. you know, just continue to, to work the rust off after missing almost an entire year of, of football action because of a torn ACL, uh, suffered at Utah, um, and he can kind of find his groove and rhythm pretty quickly here. Oregon's got a chance to kind of just operate as is, yeah. as things were, because Charles Nelson is, is Oregon's fastest player on the field. But when Taj Griffin's healthy and when Taj Griffin is playing on the football field, he's just as fast, if not faster, than Taj. I think he's more sudden. He's quicker in space. And, yeah, he's certainly a guy that they'll – And he's got great vision. Yeah, he's certainly a guy that I think they're going to incorporate a lot more going forward. I do I do wonder if that's going to change. I mean, the way the slot under Nelson, he's run a lot of – like seam slam yeah. route, you know, post routes down the middle of the field. I'm not sure Taj Griffin's capable of doing that just yet, but I might be proven wrong on that. But you might see Taj get more. They might get more exotic with their yeah. ways of finding him the ball, yeah. because of his experience as a running back. They might have him start in the slot, motion back into the backfield, and do triple option, or they might do more fly sweeps. Uh, they might do more tunnel screens. Um, we haven't seen a lot of screens. Yeah, that's the interesting thing in itself as well, the lack of screens. And I think that's a sign of um, Oregon's receiving core. They tried to do one uh, when Nelson went out. Taj Griffin just absolutely whiffed on a block, and Dylan Mitchell got lit up. Right, yeah. Uh, and it looked like as if Taj didn't know who to block because by the reactions that he had giving back to the secondary. But, you know, they're going to have to get creative on getting him the football because if they can, and they can keep a Royce Freeman or a Kanai Benoit, uh on on the field, you've now got two running backs who are really good, and Griffin can help you in the passing game. Um, I think before you answer this question, Travis, um, who is the player on Arizona State that we have to be most concerned about or aware of? I think Nikhil Harry yeah. is, is kind of the easy pick there. You mentioned Kalen Ballage, who's a running back, both guys I think to be aware of. Arizona State has good skill guys, there's no question. I think it's it's their defense and kind of their offensive, their line. offensive line that are of concern. Uh, Brad Groves, did you agree with Oregon's ranking? I think the fact that Oregon's ranked at this point in the season has to be considered um, probably a bit of a surprise, you know. I know. I, th- I think if Oregon went three and zero, I think maybe we, we all kind of thought maybe they'd sneak in like they have. But um, after seeing Nebraska lose to Northern Illinois right. uh, last weekend, I think that hurt Oregon's reputation because after they beat Nebraska, and most people didn't care that it was, you know, only a seven point win. Um, it was hey, they beat a Big Ten team, you know, 
Nebraska's probably not a, a, a team that's going to compete for the championship in that conference. No. But you know, they're a solid program, and they're a team who, you know, at the end of the year is probably going to be seven and five, eight and four, maybe a best case scenario, nine and three, going into a bowl game. And look, eight and four, nine and three, that gets you into the top twenty-five right. in the Big Ten. After that loss, though, at home to Northern Illinois, it's okay. Is, is Nebraska really that good? Are they going to get to a bowl game? Are they going to find a way to get five more wins because they're now one and two? What does that say about what Oregon did? Uh, that brings up a lot of questions of just uncertainty, I think, with, with Oregon and their victory over the Cornhuskers. So them getting ranked now kind of a little bit surprising just because Wyoming's not very good. Southern Utah's an FCS team, and Nebraska's not who we thought they were. This is almost a strange reputation ranking in a certain way. Oregon obviously was not very good last year, but I think Oregon kind of getting the benefit of the doubt because voters probably saw how dominant Oregon was in the first half of both those games. But really, Oregon hasn't, you know, they've won all three games. They've taken care of business. To, from my, I think both of our perspective, I'm not sure they've played and maybe Nebraska and Wyoming will bounce back and be a lot better than right. what we've seen. But I, they've, they've beaten two teams that are now one and two. Um, those are their marquee wins, and I'm not sure either of those teams are going to be particularly good. Um, Michael Spence says, I thought Tony Brooks James was the fastest guy on offense. Probably straight line speed he is. I think he's, yeah. he's a sprinter. He runs in the, like the 10-2 range. You don't run straight line very often in football. And to- I mean, I, I don't want to harp on Tony Brooks James. production has been way down this year. That's actually been one of those things where it's been really that, – that might be one of the biggest surprises for me offensively is how little production he's had on the field. He averaged about two yards a carry. Last year he averaged about six and a half. It's, and, it's strange because – yeah. 2015, his freshman year, Taj Griffin's freshman year, um, it was Taj. It was a guy that, you know, Taj was, was kind of that secondary running back on the team behind Royce Freeman. I think he ran for like 600 yards and he had like six or seven touchdowns. Everyone was thinking, Taj Griffin's the dude. He's, yeah. he's 1B to Royce Freeman's 1A. Perfect compliment. And then last year, uh, it wasn't Taj and it quickly became Tony Brooks James, a guy that, Emerge as okay. He's going to be for the next two years the second running back, and when Royce Freeman leaves, it's now going to be the Tony Brooks James show, uh, which some people were anticipating this season because many felt that Royce wasn't going to come back for senior year. Why would he? Right. Um, and now this season, it's Can Ivan Wall, yeah. who's become the third, you know, the second best running back on this team. And while but Wall's only touched the ball, I think like sixteen or seventeen times this season. He's second in the country in touchdowns with six yeah. uh, rushing touchdowns. <laughs> he scores a touchdown every 2.7 times he touches the football, which is absurd. Um, and, and sure, his you know he, he hasn't he's had one game over 100 yards, but you can look at his performances and I think after three games and say, yeah, he is Oregon's second best running back. I know, I, I know. I think you'd have a hard time arguing that. And I don't know if it's just. I, it looks to me like when Tony Brooks James comes out there, they run a lot more off tackle. And when they have the other running backs out there, they run in between the tackles more. Maybe that's just film study and Wyoming and Nebraska recognize that and go, they're going to run off tackle here. They have the linebackers, you know, located differently and, and are just kind of geared up for it. But yeah, the production has been really bad from him this year, which is really, I think, been surprising because I think we all anticipated him being a guy who would run for six, seven hundred yards and kind of. Well, he himself came out and said he was going to go for a thousand on the ground, five hundred through the air, and five hundred. His pace is going to have to be pretty incredible from here on out because he's, I think, has fifty-six yards on twenty-five carries. 
I think unless we have any more questions, this is probably about the time to wrap it up, guys. So if you do have more questions, drop them in here. We'll take questions either about the Wyoming game or the upcoming Arizona State game or, I guess, Oregon recruiting or basketball or whatever. If you have any more questions, you probably have maybe five minutes more to take questions, um, and then we'll, we'll have to sign off and head over to the press conference. And if you are listening to this on the podcast and you're un- unsure of how to ask questions, all you got to do is go on to Facebook uh, go to Oregon, facebook.com slash Oregon247. Uh, like our Facebook page. And uh, every Monday, every Friday, typically around 1030, uh, we, we hop on and we do our Facebook Facebook Live audio, which is a podcast version of, of this show, our recording. That way uh, you, the listener, can get in and, and join the discussion um, while we're recording this. Uh, if you somehow missed it, um, just go ahead and, and drop us. If you can't get on us on Facebook, just shoot us a message on Twitter or shoot us a message on on uh, DuckTerritory.com. Uh, that's where we'd really like to, to see the messages yeah. uh, posted on the message board uh, for podcast questions, and, and we'll address those as well. But um, last last check, I don't think we've got any questions. Yeah, I haven't seen any questions here. So, guys, this is, again, this is the last opportunity. We're probably going to sign off here um, and head over to Willie Taggart's press conference unless someone kind of gets one in under the wire here. Uh, but that's that's going to do it for us. Um, we will break things down further on Arizona State later in the week. We'll have a podcast kind of giving our predictions, kind of our keys of the game, what to watch for. Uh, I'll be down at that game. Moving forward, we're not going to be at uh, – we're not going to miss any more road games. Uh, I'll be at Arizona State, and then it's back home against Cal and Washington State, and then Eric will go off to Stanford. Uh, and then we've got UCLA coming up. And then we'll, I'll be at UCLA, and then we'll both be yeah, at the Washington. at the Washington game. So uh, it's crazy as it sounds. There's about three or four more road games left this season. We're a quarter of the way through the year. Oregon's three and zero. They take on Arizona State, uh, ranked 24th in the country for the Ducks, and that kickoff is set for 7 p.m. Saturday on Pac-12 Networks. And uh, we got one one wait, question. Wait, t- Tony Kangas snuck one in here. Why did Austin not play? And I believe that's Austin Valeu. Um I would just say, from what we've been told, it's health related. Um, I don't think it's a long term injury, but it, it there he's dealing with some things off the field as well, and uh, he hopefully will be back this week against Arizona State. But you know, seeing a Scott Pagano play, seeing Malik Young play more reps, Malik Young played really well. Uh, seeing that Oregon also got Jordan Scott his first start. Oregon's defensive line was 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 pretty pretty stout without Austin Fiala. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Duck Territory Podcast. Make sure to go to Oregon.247sports or DuckTerritory.com. Get you to the same place uh, for your Oregon football coverage. And until later this week when we do another podcast, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, guys.